Welcome back, everybody, and Happy New Year from Two Spot Monkeys Live. It is 2021. 2020 did the job and got the heck out of here. But boy, it wrecked some stuff on its way through. Uh, hopefully, 2021 will be a little better for everyone. Uh, Tom, how are you feeling about 2021? It's been a busy 2021 so far. So I'm excited to spend some time talking wrestling today with you and I'm off to a really good start watching a lot of wrestling. I'm not where I want to be. Uh, so we talked when we were last together that I had not committed, which probably was like a misnomer of doing the thousand match project again. I sure as heck did and sure as heck am. So uh, yeah, as we enter today's conversation, I'm almost at the half century mark. Uh, what, eight days in? So watching a lot of wrestling and still have a lot more to watch. Yeah, and I haven't. I I keep thinking I'm gonna do that, and I need to go back, and I easily can go back. I know what I've watched because it's basically been either weekly shows or Wrestle Kingdom um, so far. And I keep thinking if I'm gonna start that, I need to do it soon, or I'm gonna end up in that same spot where I like have 50 matches to type in there. Um, so we'll see. But um, yeah, a lot of a lot of good wrestling um, so far this year. Um, eight days in, 2021's been off to a good start on that. We're gonna talk about a number of those things uh today but uh we start with a disclaimer and that is that as we get into conversations around wrestle kingdom tom has seen absolutely everything except the last two matches of night two which <laughs> so, is a, which is a, which is a testament in one way of itself the fact that i'm that far <laughs> if you go back and listen to 2020's episodes i mean i'm, I'm sorry i'm gonna apologize to you and to our listeners, it could be far worse. And if you listen back, you would know. Yes, that is that is true. I will say though, if you've seen fifty matches and have not finished Wrestle Kingdom, your priorities have been out of line somewhere. Well, okay, so just <laughs> just to be clear, the bulk of the beginning of my new year was spent finishing up stuff from twenty twenty that I hadn't yet seen. So. Uh, uh, a fourth of what I've watched this year was not new, new 2021 content, unfortunately. No, and that makes sense. And I just got to give you grief. Yeah, I love it. So on, on this episode, we're going to talk head-to-head for night one. And then we're also going to talk still three big things from Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, we're just going to leave out the last two matches for now, and we'll we'll pick those up. I'm sure we'll have some things to say about them. Uh, next week on our next episode. But uh, for now, we're going to leave out the Hiromu Takahashi versus Taiji Shimori match and uh, Kota Ibushi versus Jay White uh, from night two. And uh, so we'll talk first head to head. Night one was uh, was pretty chalk. We were we both had the exact same picks. We were both right on every single pick. So 6-0, and oh, um, that felt really good to me. I just wish it meant I could have had some sort of lead on you. Um, yeah, six and zero. Oh. It, it it is what it is, um, and we'll talk about three big things in a, in a couple of minutes. Uh, through the first, let's see, I didn't do my math. One, two, three. That would be four matches. Three, three on night two. Three, matches of night two. That's right. Right. I was okay. I was counting the Takahashi and uh, Ishimori match. That's my problem. Through the first three matches, though, we did have two differences in those first three matches of. Uh, night two, and gee, wouldn't you know it, I was wrong both times. <laughs> um, 
uh, we had the uh, junior heavyweight tag team title match. Desperado and Kamaru defeated Wato and Taguchi. Uh, it, I'm going to say the same thing probably in both of these matches. Had I paid better attention to results and maybe had I seen the Road 2 shows, um, maybe I would have made a different pick. Because as Kevin Kelly kept talking about how many times Watto had defeated somebody on the other team, I thought, ah, crap, I'm wrong on this. And the same thing when he kept talking about how many times Cobb had beaten Chingo. Uh, I still stand by my... uh, my statement that I think it was maybe not the right move to have the empire lose all, all of their matches. Um, I've just paused as I said that thinking, okay, good. That wasn't in the last two matches. Uh, I still stand by that thinking that I don't know that that was the right. They did. Um, I've read the results for New Year's dash. I didn't watch it. I'll be honest after reading the results. It didn't feel like I needed to watch it either. Um, they always say that's kind of like the raw after WrestleMania and some years it has been and other years. It's just been like, okay, it was a show, and yeah, they set up a few challenges. Um, they did try to rebuild them a little bit, make them seem like a strong unit um, on New Year's Dash. But I stand by that, that I don't think that was necessarily the right decision. However, doesn't matter. You still got the match right. Um, and we both did have Sonata over Evil. So, Tom, as of this very moment, not counting the last two matches, we both had Hiromu Takahashi winning. So we'll either both be right or wrong on that. And we uh, did have a split, though, with me having Kota Ibushi, Tom having Jay White. But as of right now, as of this very minute, not counting those two matches, Tom has a two-match lead already. You can't see it if you're listening to the podcast, but Tom's holding up two fingers and dancing. Um, And I encourage you not to watch the video if you... Anyways. um. (laughs) So, Tom, um, let's talk... Rather than talk about head-to-head, it's easier just to talk about matches... Uh, what was your first thought on King? The uh, first big thing from Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna like my biggest takeaway thus far was my my favorite match and my favorite match year to date. And again, eight days in, not saying a lot, but if you listened last week, you heard my match of the year came from Wrestle Kingdom. So uh, my uh, number one big thing was Okada and Will Ospreay. Loved, absolutely loved that match. Uh, at times, it felt a little bit long. For me, it was a tale of two matches. Uh, the first 15 minutes were definitely like pretty consistent speed in the way I processed it. And then 15-minute mark on, they hit the Jets. And it was just fantastic. So, um, again, we don't sit, typically sit here and talk about ratings. And I'm no expert at all. But our like our buddy Rob who loves to have a star ratings book and keep star ratings. I've actually changed what I'm doing this year on my match recording list, as opposed to ranking matches based on number one, number two, number three, I'm actually ranking them based on where I think they are with like the star rating scale. And then I'm going to try to slot them kind of in that, in that bucket, if you will. So I, I gave that match four and a half stars. I, I loved it. I loved the the home stretch of the match. Okada winning felt right to me. Uh, I feel I feel like good revenge was was achieved by him, which is I think some of what the story was. Uh, I hope it's not over. They've got they've, they they mesh so well in the ring. Um, so yeah, that was my first big thing. 
yeah, and I, I'd be hard pressed to find a bigger thing. I'm with you. That was my match, um, easily of the night, um, right up there for match of the two nights. When I mean there, there, there were some good matches along the way. We'll probably talk about those and our other big things too. Um, so I don't want to spoil that too much. Uh, you know, my first big thing, I guess, probably would have been Okada and Osprey. Honestly, I I look forward to the day when we see Kazushka Okada and Will Ospreay for the IWGP title, because I think that day will come. Um, if it were me, if Osprey is ever going to be the IWGP champion, and I think he probably will someday down the road, I think him beating Okada for the belt would be, would make a lot of sense, depending on how you get there. And I mean, there's a lot of time between now and then. I don't see that happening, you know, necessarily anytime soon. Uh, but, but I think that, that was big. Uh, for me, uh, so my first takeaway, I'm going to go even not match-related. Um, I know last week on the show, I had said that I thought John Moxley would be in Japan. He clearly was not. Um, but I loved that he appeared and that we finally got some movement on the U.S. title. Because um, I've been almost of the mind, you know what, if, if he's not going to drop it, if they're not going to strip him of it, if he can't drop it, I understand they're in a pandemic, just get rid of the title. Um, you know, or... or declare it, you know, I don't know, vaulted for now or something. Um, Cause it's kind of been silly to me to have, you have this tournament for the chance to face Moxley, you know, Kent has been de- defending that briefcase, um, but there's no end in sight because John Moxley hasn't been able to work it. Um, so I thought it was great that they were able to work out whatever they are. It, it kind of seems to me like they're hinting that Moxley maybe will be able to work a new Japan strong or a new Japan match from LA, uh, which originally in the contract, he couldn't work any New Japan shows in the US. Now, there wasn't a global pandemic when they signed that contract. So I don't doubt that Tony Khan and the New Japan Bushi Road uh, folks could sit down and talk, and I'm sure some money can exchange hands, and you know they can get something figured out. Uh, I also think it probably helps that Moxley isn't the AEW world champion right now, too. Um, Tony Khan might be more willing to have him drop that NJPW title when he's not the world champ. And, and I get it from the, the wrestling politics side of things. Um, but I was, I was thrilled to see him, even if only in a video. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to Moxley and Kenta when that happens. Um, you know, Kenta is not what Kenta once was, but I still think he can have a place um, as kind of that, excuse the French, Dick Heel, um, you know, who still just kicks people in the face and, and whatever. Uh, so I was happy to see Mox, um, even if only by video. And and it makes me excited for what could be coming down the road. I, I don't watch NJPW Strong on Friday nights. It looks like they've also gone back kind of to mostly the dojo guys uh, working. I, it's just, I don't have time to add that show in. If Moxley and Kent are on that show, I'll watch that week. Absolutely. They'd get my get my view that week. So uh, that was my first big thing. Awesome. Well, I, I felt so guilty by being able to grab the lowest hanging fruit, but also the best fruit. So you go, go ahead, go ahead with your second thing and then I'll, I'll get second pick on this round. Okay. That's, that sounds good. Um, I'm going to go to night two. And even though I was wrong on the match, um, Shingo and Jeff Cobb, my goodness. Uh, I mean, these are both guys that I'm a fan of, and we've talked about our love for Shingo and, and Jeff Cobb, for that matter. Cobb, I feel like, has even stepped his game up more in the last six months. Um, I agree with what you said last week. I, I don't know how it didn't work out for him with AEW. 
uh, you know, whether that was his call or AEW's, you got to think it was his. Um, but him and Shingo absolutely killed it. I, we expected them to. I, I had said last week, I think that it was the match of night two I was most looking forward to. Um, I would have it right up there um, in probably the top three or four at worst matches on Wrestle Kingdom. Um, and that's not because I wouldn't even, <laughs> when I say top three or four, you're like, oh, okay, there was two or three better. Well, no, it was just there were that many really good matches. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom was a, there was only one thing, and that'll be my third big thing. We'll get to that, um, that uh, that I didn't at least like on Wrestle Kingdom. You know, Kenta and Ko- Kojima was fine. I think my problem there was I never believed that Kojima had a chance to win. But this match, Shingo and Cobb, my goodness, I was wrong on the pick. But I'll watch that match and take my beating for being wrong on it more than once. Uh, great, great match. I, so I, my second big thing is going to be um, a criticism. So because it, it sounds like you have a third criticism, I'm going to I'm going to not have us both end with criticisms. My third big thing will be will be a praise. Uh, but before I get to that, uh, this is the match again to the point where I'm at. I still have two matches to go on night two. This is my third overall match of the year. I had this as four and a, four and a quarter stars. I mean, Hoss battle. I mean, good grief. I mean, it's not a term that we necessarily throw around, but it's a term that's grown in maybe the wrestling lexicon in the last two and a half, three years or so. Um, that's exactly what this was. And it was just great. So, yeah. And I love the outcome, too. Uh, again, big Shingo fan. Love that he retained, period. Uh, but, again, to that same note, I, I know there's going to be a time where he has to lose this no, never open weight title because, I, selfishly, I want him to, to do more. Uh, right. and, get, and get other opportunities. So um, my second thing, and my criticism will be, um, I'm going to call this production, but really it's camera work. There were a number of things that I remember seeing to the point where I'm at, where just the camera missed shots or missed moves that I thought wasn't appropriate for a show of this magnitude. Um, so again, I have no idea who who's running production and who's responsible for for the camera cuts. Uh, but for my liking, there were just too many things that were missed um, on uh, over at least over the full night one, and then some of night two. I've already experienced it. So so yeah, just I hope that New Japan either is aware of that um, and, and addresses it, or um, if they're not aware, I hope they become aware. Well, and it's it's interesting you say that one. Um partially I was listening to I think it was something to wrestle with uh, Bruce Pritchard uh, recently and I couldn't tell you which episode it was but they were talking about um, nope I take that back it was JR it was Grill and JR because they were talking about WCW and that back in the early WCW days when they first kind of broke off from the NWA Turner was using a lot of their Turner sports uh, camera guys and, and production crew for wrestling and that it's really hard to shoot wrestling if you don't know wrestling, um, because you have to anticipate where people are going to be before they're there. You can't just shoot what's happening. You have to almost shoot what's going to happen. Um, and, and so that's interesting. And and I don't know who I agree with you, who New Japan would be using. They did miss some things. I did think they had some really interesting camera angles that were very different um, along the way. And I, I noted that along the way that there were just some interesting shots that I was like, Oh, okay. That's an angle we don't see in wrestling all that often. And it's kind of cool. 
so my third big thing is my is my complaint. So to back to back complaints, but then you're going to end on a positive. So that'll be good. Um, Toru Yano. Why? Why? So the KOPW, first of all, Kazushika Okada kind of comes up with this idea for the KOPW last year. And then he really doesn't get, like, he, he doesn't ever hold it. He's not involved with it anymore. Okay, so that was weird. So then you put it on Toriyano. So now it's a comedy title. And he holds it through the rest of last year. Does, defends it, or defends it a few times. Doesn't lose it. So now it's a provisional title throughout the year. And the last person is then declared the ultimate, you know, KOPW of the year. Um, so so they do the Ram, Ran, Rambo. I finally got got the wording right. It's not Rambo like Sylvester Stallone. Ran, R-A-N-B-O. Must mean something in Japanese. I don't know. That word means nothing to me in English. Now, I know. Because of the pandemic, they couldn't really have some of the surprises they usually have. They probably didn't want to bring in any other legends. Like, we usually have a few, you know, legends who will, who will be in that New Japan Rumble. Um, you know, you don't have the Cheeseburger or somebody from ROH or CMLL or something like that who might appear. I, I totally get that. and I, So I won't fault them for that. Um, I think they put just about everybody else who's been working those shows um, in that match. And that and that's fine. So then you come down to your final four. I was actually okay with the idea of it's two, you know, Owens and Fale um, both making it into the final four because they work together as a team. So can any, can you overcome the Bullet Club team? You know, it's fine. That works. Um, Bushi, yeah, they had nothing else for him to do. So I get it. You know, he's part of your, one of your main factions. So sure, get him something to do. And Yano, I, I fully expected Yano to be in the final four. We talked about that. I will give them some credit. Um, I've only ever seen a battle royal where the winner, where, where it has kind of those rumble style entrances and the winner ends up winning by never actually entering the ring or never having to touch anybody one time. Um, Chikara did it a couple of years back. I can't remember what they called Infant Gauntlet. That's what they called theirs. Um, and Ophidian, who was one of their top heels at the time, everybody kind of eliminated each other right before his entrance. He walked in and he was declared the winner. Uh, it's kind of an interesting storyline teller telling piece you can do. In Ophidian's case, it was all oh, this dastardly heel, you know, didn't even have to do anything. And now he gets, you know, a golden opportunity and a chance at a title. Um, Yano you know, didn't have to do anything. I thought Kevin Kelly's comments the next night about, you know, hopefully Yano had gotten Chen to recover from the horrible battle that he'd been through the night before were pretty fun. Uh, but why? I said last week, do something different with it. Don't put it right back on Yano. Uh, my only hope was maybe they'd have him defend it the next day at New Year's Dash. Spoiler alert, he doesn't. Um, uh, it's just why. I don't know. This, this whole KOPW thing is starting to just feel really pointless to me. And I'm not a Toro Yano fan to begin with. Like, I just don't, it, he doesn't do a whole lot for me. And yeah, that was, that was a downer for me. But if it's the opening match of each night and then you get into the serious stuff, I, I can, I can see where it has its place, I guess, for people. But yeah, that was my want want for Wrestle Kingdom. I want to see Toro Yano versus Our Truth. And I don't, I, and I don't know what that makes me, other than maybe a person. But. I was gonna say, is that is that 
uh, walk the line of, of being sadistic. I don't know. I just think that could be incredibly. Tom, if, if you need help, just reach out. We will get you help, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I when I when I when I saw him win, uh, and then I also was aware of our our truth on Raw this week. I just in my mind, I go, that could actually be interesting. <laughs> but interesting is in the right descriptor. So, uh, anyway. Some Yes, something indeed. Well, my third big, big thing is uh, the the title match, the main event on night one, uh, Kota Ibushi elevating his status uh, by dethroning Naito to become double champion. And I really, really enjoyed that match. It was a hair below Okada and Osprey. Mm -hmm. I I liked the pace of the match though. When they were doing the the the, the time callouts, I kept thinking, "Wow, this is going really fast," which is really interesting because then it meant that they were working at a different pace and and doing a different approach. Um, but there were just a number of things in that match, and I forget if we talked about this last week or if it was just a thought I had in my mind. But I know others share this opinion too. Like, and, and I think even Rocky Romero mentioned it on the entrances, like the the, the potentially legitimate fear that these guys were going to do physical damage and harm to one another um or just like pull out all of the all of the tricks and there was some there was some scary stuff i, I think about the the uh the rana the jumping rana from the apron with abushi to naito and then i think about the the down the stretch and the finish uh specifically uh the um the last two moves that abushi hit that last one definitely looked like it uh sent Naito into next week. Uh, but 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 really enjoyable match and really, really good uh, delivery there. And just, I really enjoyed it. And uh, and I'm eager now, hopefully today, to see Ibushi after Jay White comes out and says, you're only going to be that for a day, 24 hours, clock's ticking. Uh, we'll see if that materializes or not. And, and I thought that was really well done too, the, the Jay White piece at the end. Um, if anybody, so if I'm sitting in the crowd in Tokyo, and for whatever reason I only had a ticket tonight one, and I didn't hadn't bought a ticket tonight two because, whatever reason, that would have made me want to buy a ticket to see that match on night two. Um, I don't know that there was a whole lot of people that that was the case of. Um, I also thought I've seen some of our friends have said you know the cavernous Tokyo Dome, you know it, it kind of ate up some of the sound. I I thought all in all it sounded okay. I thought it was very interesting. Um, the crowd was not very socially distanced. Uh, to use the phrase that we're so used to here, uh, it wasn't, you know, and Japan's at a very, very different point, I believe, in the pandemic than we are. Um, and we don't need to get into reasons why that might be. Um, that's a political discussion. And, and after this week, yeah, I really just don't even want to go there um, with politics. But um, it, it, so that was interesting. It's, it's funny after, you know, nine or 10 months or whatever we've been in of this pandemic, how I watch things now. And even if it's from 1990 and I see, 20,000 people all jammed into an area. Like I have this immediate like recoil reaction, like, Oh, you're all too close. Nobody's wearing a mask. Um, you know, it's, um, but everybody was wearing a mask, obviously at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I, I thought the crowd was, was fine. I, you know, would 40,000 people have sounded louder? Yeah. But I guess maybe I've also just resigned myself to, it's going to be a while before we get back to 40,000 people in stadiums. Um, Maybe, hopefully by next Wrestle Kingdom, we'll be back to that. Uh, that'd be really great. But uh, yeah, I thought the Jay White piece was was really well done. I agree. 
they didn't try as there were some scary spots. I agree, but it, there was never a point where I went, Oh my God, they killed him. Um, which I've had before in Ibushi and, and Naito matches together. Um, and, and I was good with that. I was, I was okay with that. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was, was really well done. I agree with you. It was, it was right there with Okada and Osprey for match of the night. Um, you know, if somebody told me they liked that match better than Okada and Osprey, I wouldn't tell them they were wrong. Um, you know, everybody's got their own opinion and, and that's certainly close enough. Now, if you told me you liked New Japan Rando more than Okada and Osprey, uh, you know, okay, we just have very different views on pro wrestling. If that's the case, but, uh, that neither me or there. That was uh, so Wrestle Kingdom, you know, great show, top to bottom. Um, night one, night two is a great show, top to bottom as well. I don't think I'm spoiling anything to tell you that you know the last two matches on that show are are you know pretty damn good. Um, considering the four people in them, I don't think that's going to stun you or spoil anything for you. Um, <laughs> be more if I told you, boy, they were real stinkers, Tom. <laughs> and and the, the amazing thing, at least for my side of the coin. I have been spoiler-free and remain spoiler-free all the way through. So these were the fourth and the fifth. Today is the eighth we're recording. You're I, yeah, I'm spoiler. I, I mean, I haven't been on Twitter. I haven't been off Twitter this long since I got a Twitter account. So, <laughs> I mean, go figure. I, I was able to stay mostly spoiler-free. I did see one picture before I had seen the end of night one that had Ibushi with both belts. So I, I did know, unfortunately, that he won before I saw that match. Um, but it, that was almost not a spoiler to me. Like, there was no chance in my mind that Naito was winning that match. Uh, night two, I definitely think there is a lot more uh, question about who might win that match. We talked about that last week in our picks. Uh, and to your credit, Tom, mentioning that you've been able to stay spoiler-free, I have to give you props. You were willing to let me spoil it for you for this conversation. Um, and and I said, no, you've made it this far. That would be, I, I don't want to do that to you. Um, so I will look forward to your text message or whatever when you've seen them. Um, and and to, and we'll talk about it, obviously, next week here on the show. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, both... Both are worth seeing matches for sure. And again, I don't think that spoils anything. The only other thing that I did have that I almost was spoiled on was the main event from night two because I was scrolling something and all I saw was a picture from their press conference backdrop that they always have the after and Jay White's head. And I went, ah, and I quickly like scrolled really quick so that I wouldn't, wouldn't know what, you know, okay, they interviewed Jay White after the main event. Well, that makes sense. He was in the main event. Um, so. And they always talk to, to everybody. So uh, I had a, a moment of just panic when I thought that was going to be spoiled for me. So, and that was on Facebook, I think, actually, not uh, not uh, Twitter. Twitter Twitter is, yeah, you got to stay off Twitter if you're trying to avoid those things. Too many people live tweeting that we follow. All right. Well, let's get to things where now I don't have to watch myself to accidentally spoil anything for you. Um, and we're going to talk a little WWE. We're going to talk Legends Night and Raw in general. We have the uh, the ending angle um, as a separate topic to talk about here in a minute. Um, I did not see Raw this week. Tom has seen Raw. So uh, let that sink in for a minute. Tom watched Raw and not Night. Um, well, I guess Night 2 hadn't happened. You, wa you probably watched Raw. Maybe I won't ask you that question. No, I know that's fair. No, I did. I watched Raw Tuesday during the day, and I'll be very transparent. Like I watched Raw with one eye, you know, on other tasks and one eye on the TV. Right. I I, I refuse to do that with Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, I really want to give it my my time, and my energy. So again, and it, 
if you if you if you hear that and you're like, wow, that's surprising. Come on, it's New Japan and it's WWE. Right. If, you, if you've listened to anything we've said. <laughs> No, and and I fully understand that. I I did the same thing uh, with New Japan. Tried to give it my full attention, uh, and yeah, if I do watch Raw, and the only reason I didn't is because I was able to give some full attention to Wrestle Kingdom. Um, yeah, Raw is on in the backdrop, and then I occasionally will rewind it, like and be like, "What just happened there? Hang on, you know." And, um, did Randy Orton really just almost light a lady on fire? What just happened? Um, well, since it started there. I mean, yeah, let's go there. Even, even though it's Legends Night, I mean, good grief. How frustrating. And maybe it's not, because if you don't follow WWE and you don't really care and you don't appreciate their their business tactics or political affiliations, then this conversation doesn't mean anything to you. But Jim and I have been very clear that we follow that product, good, bad, or otherwise. So we talk about it here, and uh, whether we whether we really feel good about it or not, and, and that you can take that statement another number of ways, we are investing in the stories. And so when they don't have logical solutions or payoffs, it's frustrating. And, uh, and, and the way that Raw for 2020 ended was Randy Orton standing in front of what we perceive to be Alexa Bliss, doused in something that she could be ignited by. And that's how the show ends. So what would you think? That's how the show would start next week. Like you'd immediately want to follow up and, and, and pause on that. So WWE is all over social media. So the simple fact that there was like literally like no like we can we continue to try to find out what's going on or what happened after Raw went off the air. Nothing. Okay, do you want people to care? Uh, forgive me. If I have a dollar for every time I make that comment about WWE this year, huh. we'll be able to buy all of the figures off of Ringside Collectibles. Uh, so then, I won't. I won't. I won't make that. Yeah, I won't make that 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 comment anymore. Well, I'll try. I shouldn't say that. I'll try not to because, it, because we just have to acknowledge the product that we're dealing with. But yeah, the, the the payoff, at least in the in the short term, with Randy Orton and that was was pitiful. Yeah, I mean, Randy just says, "Yeah, I shouldn't have let her go," and then we move on to Randy terrorizes the the legends. And that was actually, I thought, a highlight of the show. Like, I thought the way that he interacted with the various legends behind the scenes. And even though they didn't kind of position his match with Jeff Hardy as like legend versus legend, it was kind of un understated that that, that right. was one of the case because they have a history and they, and they did talk about both being in WWE for 20 plus years, even though it's not been consistent for Jeff Hardy by any stretch. Um, that actually made me care more about Randy Orton. Um, but there's still like the looming, like where is Alexa and is she, is she she fried to a crisp? Is she is, is she no, not? He let her go. So he, let her go. he didn't light her on fire. He just let her go. And correct me if I'm wrong. Alexa did not appear on the show. No, no. Right. I was I was pretty sure. I like I said I didn't see it. I have read um, a, a very detailed, at least I think it was because I don't have anything to compare it to, um, but a very detailed report of the show, um, and and know the matches and and winners and losers and all that kind of stuff and the and the angles. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge major angle you pulled the week before with a huge cliffhanger. And yet again, no follow-up. You know, it's it's why was, you know, here they come. Why was Retribution not on pay-per-views, you know, when they were first around? Why was, you know, it's it's those kinds of things. Why, I hate to bring it up again, why does Peyton Royce beat Bailey and then you don't see her for over a month on TV? Um, you know, those things where you're like, oh, they're going to do something interesting. Oh no, they're not. Never mind. They just forgot about it. 
Well, funny, funny story, or maybe not funny story, but Peyton Royce pinned Charlotte Flair this past Monday. So just be prepared to not see it for the next three weeks. Right, right. It's it's the kiss of death, apparently. Um, is you know, for her to pin anybody of worth. Um, uh, I look, if you're gonna put somebody, anybody, whether dirty, clean, whatever, um, you know, I know it was a little bit of shenanigans. Oh, well, it was Ric Flair, um, a mess up with Ric Flair this week. The Bailey one was like clean, basically. I mean, it's Survivor Series. And then, okay, you have the shenanigans with the Ric Flair, and obviously they're, I, I guess, going to do the Charlotte and Rick breakup angle for the 47th time. Um, what That's what I want to see again is Rick and Charlotte at, at each other's throats. And if you could follow that up with another Street Profits and Dolph Ziggler, Robert Roode match, I just, you know, that, that's what I've been waiting to see. I just haven't seen it in at least 10 minutes. Um, goodness. A roster as deep as that company has, and you see the same thing over and over and over again. Annoying. Um, but yeah, Peyton Royce getting a big pin um, on Monday night. And uh, yeah, so we probably won't see her now for a few weeks. So the overall got a shot now, right? I mean, say it again, I'm sorry. You, they should get a tag title shot on Monday night, then you would think, right? They beat the tag champs. You would think. Yep. You would think. So to me, the whole vehicle of Legends Night was a setup for what we're going to talk about here next. Um, but before we get there, I'll just say, obviously, still in the middle of a pandemic, and with Legends being who they are and their seasoned age, it probably wasn't the best idea to have other Legends that they could have probably maybe appealed to to come in. Um, so, I mean, if, if the gimmick was to get us to the end angle... Okay, then I then I accept that, even though this legend wasn't advertised at all, um, which made it more maybe impactful and meaningful. But nonetheless, you probably had a dozen legends throughout the night, uh, and those that you didn't even interact that were just on the stage during the main event, um, and it was kind of just flat. And and I have to say, uh, I meant to bring this up: the very very open of Raw with Hulk Hogan, the H phone brother. What in the name of all this? What in the name of H? Right. You know, that makes a little bit of sense. I guess there's the iPhone, so it's the H phone. But it's not even like the iPhone is something new. You know, like he would be playing off some new technology that everybody's talking about, the new iPhone. I mean, 15 years ago, maybe, or whatever, when the first iPhone came out, I'm making up a number. I don't have that in front of me run a trivia company you think i should know those things but um the h phone brother i was just like oh this night's off to a great start uh, i did i did see that i started to watch some of raw and i did see that and thought oh boy and then um, you were like i'm done i can't go right, right. i tapped out after <laughs> the h phone um, oh man so let's get to the closing angle um we're, we're chucking right through things here tom um Goldberg is back and ran an angle with Drew McIntyre where he basically, the thing that confuses me about this, Tom, is he was kind of talking about McIntyre like McIntyre was a heel, like McIntyre's disrespectful, doesn't respect the legends. Like that's not anything we've seen. There's been not even a hint of that in anything we've done. So what is Goldberg talking about? (laughs) Like I, you know, if he said that about Sheamus and the Sheamus was being sneaky and whatever, like we've had, you know, there's been the Keith Lee conversations with Sheamus and there's been things like that. Or if he came out and said, Drew, you're too stupid to see the Sheamus is going to kick your head off, you know, the minute you turn around or whatever. 
but he came out and talked about Drew McIntyre's disrespectful and pushes him down and all of, like it was just weird. It was weird. I, and and I have more about as we talk about it going forward, but that whole setup for me was just really weird. No, I totally agree. And it didn't land well with me because it it, it to me it really made Goldberg feel out of touch. Uh, and again, I don't know why he's not appealing to me as a fan. But clearly there must be fans out there if WWE continues to put their hitch their wagon to him. There's one fan. Yeah, well, we know who that is. So yeah. <laughs> um I, I didn't expect to see Goldberg before WrestleMania season. So it's it's you know, in terms of in terms of like a main event worthy match, on paper, this this meets that and it makes Royal Rumble a show that up beyond its normal gimmick of the battle Royals for the men and the women, that it's worth going out of your way or it's worth, maybe not worth. It's, it's something that you, sh- that you might look forward to. And that's how I felt when I saw this. Do I think this match is going to be anything worthwhile or anything greater than five minutes? I have no idea. And I highly doubt it. And we'll talk about our Royal Rumble preview probably in the next three or four weeks. Uh, so I don't want to spend a lot of time here now. And, and I want to also give them time, you know, as a consumer, I'm going to be watching the product. So let's see how things continue on TV and how Goldberg does or doesn't engage. Uh, but yeah, at least from, from the start to your point, it came out of the cannon like a dud. And, and I have a real fear that, and, and I agree with you, let's see how it plays out over the next few weeks, but I have a fear that Goldberg's going to beat Drew McIntyre at the Rumble and be the champion going in against whether it's Drew. And so then they give, okay, Drew didn't get that, you know, hopefully WrestleMania this year will have some fans in attendance. I think that's a reasonable hope at this point. You know, football games, many of them are are having some fans in attendance. It's not going to be a packed stadium. We've talked about that before. But, you know, Drew didn't get the chance to have that moment with Brock Lesnar last WrestleMania because of the pandemic in front of fans. He had his moment, but let's be honest, an empty performance center, it was a great moment because you and I have followed Drew McIntyre for years and have seen him live at Evolve shows and, and other things, um, you know, have seen him hit the depths and then now come back and be at the top, which is great. I'm a big Drew McIntyre fan. I I hated for him that that couldn't happen in front of a packed um, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa last year, but it is what it is. The pandemic is what it is. That certainly would have been an... A, <laughs> probably illegal at that point um, decision based on the restrictions that were in place, but also a terrible decision to have done it in front of fans. This year, hopefully we'll be able to have some fans at WrestleMania, you know, so is it that Goldberg wins at the rumble and then McIntyre gets, um, you know, the revenge match at WrestleMania and and beats Goldberg and gets the title. I, I could see what you're doing, but I don't want Bill Goldberg being your champion. I didn't want it last year. I don't want it this year was stupid to put him over the fiend last year stupid um you had one of the hottest characters you had in a long time and you freaking put bill goldberg over him i don't know that mcintyre is one of the hottest characters you've had in a long time but i think you've made him mcintyre's big time i mean you've made him as, as one of your top guys he's one of the most legitimate right like yeah if, i mean and again in, in, a, in a in a in pro wrestling where legitimacy is manufactured for the most part right I don't feel like that's the case with Drew McIntyre. Right. I think I think the fans are behind Drew, and I think they're behind him because of his story and his, you know, 
And yeah, okay, you're going to tell a story where he gets knocked down one more time because really, since WrestleMania, he had that little blip where he lost the title to Randy Orton after 87 tries, you know, and won it back a month later, if that. Um, but other than that, he's been a pretty dominant champion, you know, and now the one that's my problem, though. You've built him up to be a dominant champion. So if he's a dominant champion when he finally gets knocked off for good, not for a little two or three week, you know, Randy Orton thing. Like it should be to continue to build somebody else. Um, Seamus, Keith Lee. Keith Lee, yep. Right, you know, I mean, there's there's options there. It shouldn't be to Bill frickin' Goldberg. And, I'm, and maybe they won't do this, but that my my very first thought was, after I went, who's the heel? Um, was, oh God, are they going to do it? Um, and I don't know, we'll see how they build it, which probably will, will uh, influence my pick when we get to the head-to-head for Rumble uh, in a couple of weeks. But if I had to pick right now, I... I don't know what I'd pick, but I wouldn't be shocked if I picked Goldberg to win that match. And I would hate myself for having to do that. Well, and it's and that speaks to just the way that WWE has run in the past, unfortunately. And unfortunately, until there's a change in command, who knows when or how or if that will even change. Yeah. Um, so the, the one thing I just wanted to add on just to the whole like way the way that Goldberg presented himself. You have to believe this was in the works for a while. You, you, you don't, you can't assume or believe that it was. You know, uh, the trigger was pulled on on Monday. Like they had to plan to get him there, and they had to plan for this angle, and they didn't advertise him. So you know, that's a good way to do a surprise. But he botched, and maybe he didn't botch his lines. Maybe he delivered them just as he did. But if you're on that writing team and you're doing creative, and that's the way that you wanted it to be presented. And that, and you had time to come up with that, then you failed. Right. Oh, absolutely. And that's, um, you know, unless they do something, and and again, maybe I'm getting too far down the road into our our Royal Rumble talk, but unless they do something where someone costs Goldberg the match, and that becomes the Goldberg Goldberg then is looking for revenge at WrestleMania, and and McIntyre goes off and does his thing, and Goldberg, you know and Keith Lee or Goldberg and Sheamus have a match. Um, I, I don't know. You'd, you'd done so much build that it seemed so obvious, but obvious in the right way to me that Sheamus was going to turn on McIntyre and we were going to get this big grudge match between Sheamus and Drew McIntyre at, at the Royal Rumble. And I was I was in for that. Um, I like the way they've done that all in all. Um, I like that they didn't pull the trigger too fast, um, that they've let it burn slow enough that you're almost at a point where you're like, Maybe he's never going to turn. And then, boom, that would be the perfect time to have Seamus hit him with a brogue kick. Because the moment you start to trust as a fan, and then you're like, ah, dang it. You know, he is the weasel that we all thought he was. Um, I, I just think there was a lot they could have done there. And it feels like now they've gone a different direction for the sake of going a different direction. I don't know. Like we got to get Goldberg in because Goldberg is, you know, the big guy, the big star. So we have to get him in for mania. I don't know. I know I'm just whining at this point about Goldberg, but it'll be interesting and good for McIntyre to get a Drew Goldberg or Drew Goldberg, a Bill Goldberg match um, in his career. You know, that's a big name for Drew to be in the ring with. So good for Drew. Um, I hope Drew is excited about it because I don't know that I am all that much. Coming to your two spot monkeys preview at Royal Rumble, Drew Goldberg. 
Drew Goldberg. <laughs> Well, yes, and I apologize for my dog barking in the background, as yeah. as is uh, normal for my household. Whenever the mail delivery individual comes, she just can't control herself, and that's my dog, not the mail delivery person. I'm talking about. <laughs> Good to know that it is the dog. Uh, <laughs> if the mail person starts barking back at the dog, we're in trouble. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, maybe you order treats through the mail, and, and the dog just knows there might be goodies in there. So. Uh, well, our last thing we want to talk about, and this may take you know a little bit of time here to talk through, uh, is NXT New Year's Evil. Uh, both Tom and I have seen New Year's Evil. We have not seen AEW from this week, um, or I've seen just the very beginning of it. Um, but uh, so we'll probably pick up some more AEW conversation next week. Uh, but New Year's Evil was on Wednesday night. Uh, it was uh, unfortunately lost the fight pit match. Uh, Timothy Thatcher is apparently injured. It sounds like it's not a really bad injury, so hopefully we'll get that match here again in the not-too-distant future. Uh, but then they ended up adding uh, at least two more matches that hadn't been advertised. Well, I guess one had been advertised that Zia would be back uh, this week, and, and I, I assumed she would have a match, and she did. Uh, but we got another match uh, probably to make up for the timing that you were losing on the Fight Pit match. Uh, but maybe not. Maybe this match, that mixed tag was going to happen anyways. Tom, do you want to, I think there's probably enough to say, do you want to just go match by match? And some of them might be really quick, but um, talk about each one or what, we didn't really talk about how we want to do yeah, this. Yeah, no, that, that sounds like a good idea. And actually, I don't mind if we, or I hope you don't mind if we start with that mixed tag match, because um, I'll start with, with, I think that it didn't need to be on the show. Like, give me, give me the angle. But don't give me this match. And I recognize, like, the goofiness of Dexter Loomis as the host led to the match being something that began. But gosh darn it, I would have much preferred this match not happen. And there was nothing wrong with it. But give me this time for Drew or for for Finn and Kyle O'Reilly. I would have much preferred that, that that match had been given much more time to tell a deeper, longer, better story. Uh, so I, again, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the main event too. I just, I'm being selfish here and thinking like, if you have to lose the fight pit match, okay. But like you did, it didn't happen during the show. Like it happened, right. like, you know, they, they, they promoted it that it came out earlier in the day and then they were making that decision to transition. You're not, you're not bathing, bathing and switching us and you're not going to hurt. I don't think the majority of the fans who were tuning in to watch NXT's feelings, if you didn't give the main event a little bit more oomph. No, I agree. And they and they easily could have, you know, and I, I don't know, I haven't read anything and I don't know that we will, um, whether any of that, the angle itself was going to happen on that show or not. Um, I, it's very possible the angle was and then they, you know, decided to do the match right away. Obviously, they knew they were going to do it because Dexter Loomis had to have time to do a drawing, but apparently he can do that in like eight seconds if he wants to. Um, that was a little he's, goofy. He's a four, he's a fortune teller future teller he can tell the future that's what happened okay that must be because yeah. there's no way he could have drawn that that fast um and and first of all sam shaw which is uh, sorry you know spoiler uh, i back from the tna days um dexter loomis he's a heck of a good artist i mean his drawings are i think are pretty fun um But yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming from. Do the angle here. And then that's one of your feature bouts for next week's NXT. Um, and that, that would be fun. 
Um, I liked Kushida getting the win. Um, it, I Kushida, I feel like, has just really kind of found, floundered. Like they start, they're start and stop with him, like so many guys um, and girls, for that matter. They they start and then you know he kind of had that more aggressive streak here for a little bit and then we didn't see him for a few weeks and you know I was concerned when he came in that he was just going to get kind of saddled in the cruiserweight division, uh, which at times is okay and at time you know it's not just the two hundred five live division which I appreciate at least then you know some of the cruiserweights are getting some some shine on NXT which is great and I think Santos Escobar is an is an outstanding champion. Um, and he's saving my bacon in the fantasy wrestling league that's just begun for 2021 at this point. But um, I've not had a good start. But I don't. I just. I, I see what you're saying on that match. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It, it could have been next week. It's fine, but it could have been another week. Uh, let's go back to just the start of the show. We'll run through it. Um, Carrying Cross uh, over Damian Priest was the opener. I thought it was a good opener. Um, you've got a couple of guys who can really lay it in. Um, and I thought they both looked good. Uh, the mat, the outcome didn't shock me in any way, shape, or form. Um, I, you know, Cross is definitely somebody they're going to be building back to the title picture uh, in NXT. And Priest, uh, maybe spoiler alert here for you, Tom, uh, there's an awful lot of conversation that he's going to be on SmackDown or Raw in the very near future. Um, in fact, there's even some conversation he was supposed to debut last week, and they change their mind at the last minute. Shocking. They never do that. Um, but, uh, and, and so that makes even more sense if that's the case, you know, if Priest um, is moving on, that he would he would be the one to take the fall. But I think even if Priest was staying in NXT, that would have been the right call for Cross to win. Um, that's so interesting on that latter part. I had not heard that chatter or seen that chatter. It makes sense. But I'm so accustomed to the like the the send-offs that were happening in NXT for so long for many talents that to just have these elevations, for lack of a better term. Again, they're not elevations, but they are. I mean, it just seems it seems a little bit weird, and, and weird probably isn't the right term, but I don't know. It's it doesn't it doesn't fit the mold that I'm used to. You know, you think about someone having like a really long and and successful NXT run and. You could argue that Damian Priest really didn't. Like, if you looked at his win and loss record, it probably isn't uh, stellar in the end. But I, I would argue that, uh, like we talked about here before, too, like his 2020 was one of the better 2020s of any of the NXT talents I think you could make an argument for. Um, yeah, I love this match. The one thing that it made me think of was I wish we hadn't seen Karrion Cross back in the ring before this match. He, he did have a little brief singles match. Um, I just think it would have had more meaning to it to have him like come out and 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 arguably this was his most competitive match outside of when he won the title with Keith Lee so that also then speaks to uh the value of Damian Priest and, and the perception maybe of how his stock or where his stock is in the company yeah no absolutely and uh you know I also I meant to say I liked that Cross one with a different move than we've seen before. It wasn't the straight jacket or straight jacket. Is that what they called it? I think um, so. Yeah. The, you know, the submission, um, it was, it was almost the Will Ospreay hidden blade, um, without the spin. And, you know, I mean, just a vicious elbow to the back of the head. We had talked back when Karrion Cross first debuted, um, because his first match against, was it Leon Roth? 
Might have been I, Leon Ruff. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, he was able to like throw a suplex and then grab Ruff into that, which looked really cool, but you're not going to be able to do that to most people. Uh, the straight jacket, even full, if he gets it on fully, is going to be hard to do against some bigger guys. Uh, smacking somebody in the back of the head with your elbow, though, you can do that to anybody. Um, so I like finishers that can be easily, not easily, um, believably used on anybody. Um, and I, you know, whether that continues to be his finish now moving forward or it was just the end to the battle, we'll see. Uh, moving forward, but I I like that. I I like when moves either they debut new moves or moves that might not normally win the match win the match. Uh, I've always enjoyed that because sometimes it gets a little too formulaic, where it's you know we each trade finishers four times and then the fifth tombstone wins the match or whatever. Um, not to say that Undertaker ever had that happen, um, but um, you know I I like when those things happen. So that was cool. Um, Scarlett's got to stop singing that fall and pray stuff though. It just, it's so hokey when I know she doesn't do the whole thing anymore. Like she did the first time out, but uh, you know, when she I, gets I, ring I, don't, I don't mind. I, I, I want all of the Scarlett on my TV that I can get. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the lip syncing. Tom's not even well anyways, let's not go there. Uh, <laughs> Tom's a married man. We don't want to get him in trouble. Uh, not that Karen listens to this podcast, but um, <laughs> let's go to the cruiserweight title match next. Uh, Santos Escobar, who I just mentioned, I think is a great cruiserweight champion, uh, defended against Grand Metalik, who had a cup, had a big win earlier in the week on Raw. Uh, Metalik and and Lindsay won their match, didn't they on Raw? Am I they, right? they did, but guess if Metalik got the pinfall? Probably not. No, no. Which again, they're telling two different stories here, but it's that kind of like nuance to like the attention that fans, I hope, pay attention to. Like, if you would have been able, and, and then it would have been a cross-promotion, because they actually did cross-promote. They said he's got a, a cruiserweight title shot on Wednesday. And then he's part of the winning team, which, great. Good, good. he didn't lose. He didn't take the pinfall. That's that's typical WWE booking, is that he would have gotten pinned. Right. Um, that being said, um, you could have, again, raised his stock in the eyes of fans, potentially, who do watch Raw and NXT by having having him have gotten the pinfall. Because yeah. whoever got the pinfall Monday, it didn't matter. The issue is between Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. There's, they're teasing dissension there. So, And and if Grand Metalik can pin Shelton Benjamin or Cedric Alexander, who are the Raw Tag Team Champions, can he beat Santos Escobar? Conversely, when Santos Escobar wins the match, which I think had we done a head to head on this, we probably both would have picked Escobar to win this match. Santos Escobar just pinned someone who pinned one of the Raw Tag Team Champions. So you raise Santos Escobar. But instead, we can't think that far ahead because it's more than three seconds in front of our nose. Um, yeah. But I thought this was a good match. Nothing wrong with the match. Absolutely. Two gentlemen. Grand Metalik, I think you made a comment on the uh, Facebook group that we're a part of that Metalik is one of those guys who's just criminally underused by WWE. Every time he's given an opportunity, which is not often, he he hits. Um, his match against AJ Styles, what, two months ago maybe on SmackDown, was great. Um, I actually thought he, that was AJ was the Intercontinental Champion, I believe, and he got a, an Intercontinental title shot. And I actually thought he could win the match at points while watching it. Um, I thought he could beat Escobar, too, a couple of times. But I, it, it was a really good match, and I really need to look at what Escobar's true size is. Obviously, he's 
at least storyline, 205 pounds or under. Um, and he may very well be. I will tell you that when he was in Lucha Underground as King Cuerno, I thought he was bigger. Um, and now then when he came in as a cruiserweight, I'm like, oh, maybe he's not as big. But again, who are you standing around? You know, he may look bigger. Um, I think Escobar, if size doesn't hold him back, can be a major player on a main, on a main brand uh, down the road. I just, I think a lot of Escobar. And and Metalik is is really good too. So I thought this was very good. Escobar's going to win because eventually you're building to Escobar and Devlin. Um, you know, Devlin has returned to NXT UK. He's still the Cruiserweight champion. He's defending the Cruiserweight title there too. Um, in fact, just defended it. Um, on yesterday's show, I haven't, I, I'd fallen way behind on NXT UK. I wasn't going to try to catch up and I won't. Um, but I happened to see that he faced Ben Carter, uh, on UK last yesterday. So I am going to find some time to see that match mainly yeah, because of and, Carter fan. Well, Triple H and Triple H has, is, has gone out of his way to promote that match and promote that they, that they, that they had a match. So and again, I'm guessing the quality is going to be high considering the two people involved, but it, it says something when you have. The, the whatever his title is in WWE going on his Twitter, which again, it's, it's not just, a, it's not a personal Twitter at all. Let's be fair. It's, it's, it's a promotional right. Twitter because he's an employee of the company. Nonetheless, he doesn't do that for all matches. So no, the fact and, that he did it not here, very many NXT UK matches either. May, maybe for Walter and Dragunov um, back in October, he probably did something there. And, and that's a phenomenal match too. If you haven't seen that thing, go out of your way and check that one out back from October. But um, yeah, I, you know, it's not bad to have what amounts to the number two guy in WWE, most likely. Um, some might argue Bruce Pritchard is right up there too, obviously, since he's had a creative. But uh, Triple H is is pretty high up there, and and certainly is the head guy in the NXT land, which UK does fall under. Um, so obviously, he's got you know some high hopes for Ben Carter too, which is fine with me because I've liked what I've seen out of the kid so far. So I uh, would I would love to see a renewed commitment to the cruiserweight division. I know we talked about it's not just the 205 divide division, um, but I think there's enough there's enough separation right now that doesn't make sense for me. Like I would care more about 205 Live if they were to do, I'm going to, it's low-hanging fruit, so I'm going to just say like a G1 style thing. Like if you had two groups of four wrestlers or two groups of six wrestlers, and again, this goes back right. to kind of the interim cruiserweight title. Right. Like if they did something like that on 205 Live, it would get me as a fan to want to tune in more knowing that like as you work your way through that you're working to get the next shot or a shot at the cruiserweight champion uh because again this match was a great example um of a number of things a how much talent is in the is in the is in the woodshed or in the in the coffers of wwe when you can just pull out a grand metal leak on a week's notice and they can have a fantastic match uh but then too, like you want, if you want to make that title mean more, have that champion defend it regularly. This isn't, I'm not asking for, you know, Rey Mysterio 97 and nor do I ever, ever think we'll get back to a point like that. But why not? Why not get, why not do something with your product to set yourself apart from your competition? And this is the way I think they could do that. Absolutely. Um, so that was, that was really, really strong. Um, certainly nothing, nothing wrong with that match. Um, and, and worthy of its spot on New Year's Evil. Uh, the next match, I, you know, there won't be a whole lot to say, but I have I've kind of liked the uh, way that they have reinvigorated Xia Li 
Um, and Boa, whether Boa is going to be in the ring or just kind of her heavy, since it actually appears that after, if you really watch all those videos they did along the way, um, you know, it's been more about getting Zaya ready to go. Um, cause she was the one kicking the crap out of Boa in the end. Um, it'd be interesting to see if Boa ends up back in the ring or not. Um, Zaya Lee was somebody who I always thought had some talent, but just never, they never really did anything with her and she wasn't clicking for me. Um, I liked the new look. She looked jacked. Um, and I don't, maybe she's always been that jacked and there's just the new outfit or new way they presented her that I it noticed it more, but she was ripped. Um, and her kicks looked great. Um, and you know, it'll be interesting to see where does this whole mysterious woman thing go? Uh, the, the leader of whatever group they are a part of, uh, there's been some speculation that um, Karen Q, who used to work in, uh, she worked Ring of Honor for a little bit, and then Impact, uh, who had been signed and she got hurt right away when she got signed, uh, might be that person. Uh, we'll see where that all goes. Uh, I I thought it worked. I thought it was a good re- debut for Xylee and makes her someone to be reckoned with in the women's division. Yeah, I can't add much more other than to say I thought the entrance and the presentation was top-notch. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Uh, interested to see where it goes. So then we move into the last woman. We'll stay with the women again. And uh, and b- before we jump into that match, because that's that's a pretty big match on this card. Did they, I forget where in the show, they kind of reset the, the, the table for the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Was it right about here? Was it later? Right yeah, yeah. Okay. So like I, I was trying to, while we were starting our conversation here in this space, making a list of all the teams that I couldn't recall them all. So I have Undisputed Era of Colin O'Reilly, Ever Rise, The Grizzled Young Vets, The Way of Gargano and Austin Theory, Kurt Stallion and August Gray, Drake Maverick and Killian Dane. I know I'm missing a, I'm missing a team, Imperium. Yep. And then there's a team that's not announced yet, correct? Yes. Yeah, there's seven that are announced so far. Okay. I mean, obviously, we don't know that mystery eighth team, but, you know, before this, we, we won't record again before this tournament starts. But, you know, if, if, if I pinned you down right now, Jim, who do you think the finals of the Dusty Classic uh, are? Grizzled Young Vets. And either, <laughs> I'll take three, either the mystery team, if there's something big going on there, or Undisputed Era. Okay. I have I have undisputed era and the grizzled young vets. I feel like something's up with undisputed era. I can't yep. put my thumb on it and and where, but I just sense something's I, coming. Um, I think and- there was a plan when Ridge Holland attacked Adam Cole. Cole. I I think we were going to find out that Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong were behind it originally before Holland unfortunately got hurt the next week. They pivoted to the Pete Dunn, Pat McAfee, Oni and Danny um, crew. Um, and why aren't Oni and Danny in this tournament, by the way? Because they're the champs and the winners get a title shot. Oh, good point. Okay. Um, there's why. Uh, makes sense. Crockett Cup used to have the champs in the, in it. So, I, you know, my old school in me. Um, I, yeah, I agree. There's something there. I think they had to pause that, obviously, when they pivoted. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely see. In fact, part of me thinks Grizzled Young Vets and, and UE and Roddy again, turns on his tag partner. Why would anybody tag with that guy? He turns on everybody. Um, but, um, you know, and, and and we get something 
going then moving forward. Uh, they also announced that the women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Invitational is going to be coming. Uh, no teams announced for that yet. I tried to just jot down real quick, though, too, before we move on. Uh, you figure Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez um, have to be favorites, frankly, in that. Um, Candace and Indy Hartwell, you figure it'll be from the way. Uh, Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter were teaming up quite a bit, so I would assume to see them. And then I really don't know if you're going to have eight teams in that. And I hope they do. I hope they don't, you know, shorten it to four teams. Um, and they're going to have to make some makeshift teams, but they've got plenty of talent. Um, Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Tony Storm, Zylee, Mercedes Martinez, Io Shirai. Um, since there's not a women's, maybe they get a women's tag title shot, you know, against the, the WWE women's tag team champions, Io could be in this tournament. Um, I, I don't know who you team, you know, EO and Ember maybe, or EO and Shotzi, some team of them. Um, Tony Storm, I feel like you got to team her with somebody. Um, and maybe they're able to get somebody from the UK to come over and maybe it's Tony and Kaylee Ray or something like that. Um, Zylee, I almost think won't be in the tag tournament because you're doing a story, a different story with her right now that I just, if, unless they bring in another woman, unless it's Zylee and, you know, the Blair Witch Lady or whatever she is, the lady from the ring, um, you know, who's sitting on the chair. Um, maybe if you're doing that. But uh, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, and I'm glad to see the women get that that opportunity. I think that's pretty cool. Speaking of the women, obviously, we next up have the last woman standing match, which was interesting that we got to this point, and I don't – this has been a longer story between Rhea and Raquel Gonzalez than I thought we were getting. When I think back to Halloween Havoc, I kind of thought Rhea had overcome this and Raquel was kind of going a different direction. And then you look at the last two months plus and Raquel Gonzalez, and rightfully so, because she's an amazing talent, has really risen to the top. So uh, this match I loved. I really enjoyed. Uh, I believe... Actually, no, it was my favorite match of the show. Um, and I actually liked it as the, to date, it's the best WWE match I've seen this week. Granted, SmackDown will happen today. Um, I can't imagine SmackDown's going to give this a run for its money. I had this match in Keith Lee uh, versus Drew McIntyre as kind of the same on my rating scale, but I had a, a, a touch above uh, Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre from Monday. So, yeah, just brutal. And I uh, love the funny image of Dakota Kai getting shoved in a locker. You know, I actually had to rewind and see that again, um, because at first I thought, oh, okay, they probably just don't have the actual metal piece between those two lockers. And no, she was in one little bitty locker. Um, she got herself all folded up. Uh, and I, I love that after that, Rhea does this with her, like, like she's seven. Like, that was a little bit goofy to me. I, I mean, but, that's what would have happened in high school. If you showed, right. you showed in a locker, you're getting like, you're getting mocked. Right. And I think that's kind of why she did it. Um, you know, I, I've read before that Raquel and Rhea are really good friends um, outside of the ring. So this made sense to, to me um, for Rhea to help bring her friend along. But it's not nepotism because Raquel has gone from somebody who when she first debuted, I was like, okay, big, big bodyguard woman going to, you know, throw a couple of forearms, probably choke somebody or something. And, you know, she's going to be very unimpressive in the ring. That was that was my impression. Uh, I was 180 degrees wrong on that. Um, she has come very far, very fast. Um, even for her televised stuff, her early matches were okay. Um, like 
nothing that made you go, oh, my gosh, it's terrible. But nothing also that left me going, wow. Um, and she's now had, between War Games and this match, um, and the Halloween Havoc match, for that matter, she's had some some appearances where I'm going, that they got a star if they, you know, play their cards right here with Raquel. Um, well, I mean, go back to the Mae Young Classic when she was Reina Gonzalez. And I, 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 you would watch that, and you would watch her there, and you'd look at her now, you couldn't tell the difference. And I think, you know, I was thinking about this when I was watching Wrestle Kingdom, and I was thinking about Zack Sabre and Kota Ibushi and then Metalik on Wednesday with the title shot because they made a callback to, to the, the Cruiserweight Classic. Those platforms... WWE will be wise when able to bring them back and to give uh, give those talents and the talents that are unsigned perhaps or or freelance a chance to do that again because it's 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 a greater story for the overall when you when you have those opportunities and then you can go back and I think Mercedes Martinez you could, could loop into that too but you know I didn't mean to pivot from this but it just I wanted to call out the 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 stark contrast between who she was when she was Reina Gonzalez and she debuted with leather chaps on and who she is now as an amazing performer. Funny note, I don't know if you caught this. I think it was on the last NXT of 2020 when they're having a pull apart. The referee actually called her Reina. He's like, no, Reina, Reina. Like, he's like, 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 girls, girls, don't fight right now. And he actually like picked up on the mic that he called her Reina. So. Nice. Uh, no, this, I agree with you. Match of the night. Um, it was better than Finn and Kyle. Um, and that's nothing against Finn and Kyle, but I agree with you. They could have used just a little more time, and it just wasn't. Uh, Finn and Kyle also had to live up to the excellent, excellent match they had at TakeOver 31. And that's always hard when you're following. You know, Rhea and, and Raquel had had a good Halloween Havoc match, but it wasn't looked at, you know, at the level of TakeOver um, 31 had been. By the way, next TakeOver announced for Valentine's night. Perfect way to make sure that nobody can watch it live. Um, well, nobody with a significant other can watch right. it live. That, I mean, let's be fair. I mean, good grief. I know the minute there, I was like, yes, I was like, takeover's coming February, awesome. And then I was like, Valentine's Day night. Okay. Yep. Like, uh-huh. yes, I'll watch that the next day. Um. <laughs> yes, two married men who do a wrestling podcast are being very honest and transparent right now. That's right. Even though we'll probably, we usually celebrate Valentine's Day kind of off that day mainly so that we don't have to deal with the totally packed restaurants and all that i don't know this year will be different um but you're getting, you're getting takeout anyway what's that you're getting takeout anyway right well and and it's still going to be even if we celebrated a different day it's there's still going to be the uh oh so valentine's night you're going to go watch wrestling oh okay yeah no i'm not doing that um so thanks vince thanks um or triple h whoever whoever picks those dates um, cause you can set your own dates, by the way, you run your own arenas right now. Don't even have to book an arena. Thanks guys. Uh, uh we already talked about the mixed tag. I don't think there's much more we need to say about the way and, uh, Kushida and Blackheart. Uh, so well, we- well, I will, I do want to just make two quick comments. Number okay. one, I'm excited about the potential of a Kushida challenge in Gargano for the NXT North American title. Yes. And I hope that that is the match. I hope that's not hot shotted here i hope that actually they give us that on that takeover in february um i, I to me it could be a pick right now because i think gargano's broken the curse but i don't know that he needs that title to to stay over or to stay relevant um so giving it to someone like kushida could be very 
uh, very worthwhile. Uh, number two, the other thing I wanted to say is I, I'm, I'm really enjoying this platform for Austin Theory and Indy Hartwell to bring themselves up a level. Um, and whether that's the intent or not, I had to imagine that's part of this. Uh, I think that they're actually really shining in, in the roles that they're playing. I actually really have liked Austin Theory in this way more than any other time that I've liked him before. He's actually showing personality in a way that I don't really think you ever saw from him. Yeah, he's learned that as a heel, you got to show your rear end sometimes, and I don't mean that literally, although ask Ric Flair, you know, he thinks you have to literally. Um, but, uh, you know, you got to be willing, you, you can't just be all day, you know, and, and the best and all of that. There's a place for that heel, but you got to be able to show, you know, getting a tank to shoot you in the nards, um, you know. And th there's a little bit of a, with Austin kind of being the meathead, dummy almost of the group a little bit and Indy almost being a little like protective of him, but yet annoyed by him. Like there's a brother sister dynamic there. Um, and I'm, I want to be careful using that phrasing because of where I'm going with this. I think eventually there's a love interest between the two of them. Um, I, I just, I don't think WWE can help themselves, but to do something like that. Um, so I, again, keep those two things separate, but, um, and, and Indy Hartwell's getting to show a little bit of personality where before she just kind of been random girl who's coming to lose to whoever's being pushed, number 303. Um, you know, she's getting a little personality in this too. Um, so I agree. I, I'm good with the way I agree. I don't think Gargano necessarily needs the title to be, in fact, he's almost more annoying when he doesn't have it because he's so obsessed with, you know, he loves gold and he hates wheels or whatever. Um, so uh, we we get to the – did you have something more on that match? Tom? No, 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 that was it. Um, we get to the main event then of Balor and O'Reilly, and, and we've kind of talked about this throughout the – so I don't know there's a ton more to say about it other than I thought it was good. I, I did see, um, and not to make this podcast about the group that we're a part of, you know, some questioning of where does Kyle O'Reilly go from here. Um, I think the look on O'Reilly's face was very important. And I think they focused on it for a reason that O'Reilly had that look of my goodness. I threw everything at this guy twice and I just can't get over the mountain. And so now I think O'Reilly has to refine himself, rebuild himself, whatever himself. Meanwhile, while that's happening and Adam Cole is singing his praises, I think that also plays into the problem. And I'm using my hand over here where you can't see it off camera. Um, but I think that plays into the problems that Roddy is going to have with Adam Cole and, and whatever's going on with the undisputed era there. And Bobby fish kind of seems like the unforgotten, the forgotten child here in undisputed era right now, but he also struggles to stay healthy at this point in his career. I kind of feel like Bobby fish is probably going to be moving into a coach role in NXT before too long. Um, and Hey, what an awesome coach to add to your, to your list of awesome coaches that you have down in NXT. Um, but that's just my instinct, but I, I don't think this is the end of O'Reilly in the title picture. It might be for a little bit, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see if we have a WrestleMania that has some fans at it, do we get a takeover WrestleMania weekend? Do we get February 14th and then April something? Maybe, maybe we don't. If we do, if that's the plan currently, and let's just go with that for now, I would save O'Reilly's title match until WrestleMania weekend and have your moment of O'Reilly winning the title then. I'd have Balor beat somebody else on February 14th. Uh, 
you can you can set somebody up for him to beat. That's fine. Um, maybe it's Bobby Fish. I don't know, but I I, I think that look was important, and I think there's a story still coming with Kyle O'Reilly, and I'm I'm interested to see it play out. Yeah, I actually liked the the post match stuff. It landed with me. It landed and kept me emotionally invested more than the match did. So again, like we talked about, not a bad match. They delivered. These are these are two of the best. And I, if you said Tom, tell me your top five wrestlers that you really enjoy watching right now. Kyle O'Reilly is on that list, hands down. I've made no bones about that here, and I don't see that changing this this year at least. I think he'll be probably on that list. Um, for all of 2021. These guys had the unfortunate task of having the match they had before this. And and there was likely there was no way they were going to ever be able to live up to it. And then the fact that it was on USA as opposed to a takeover was the second like kiss of death that they had to experience. But when they get when these guys were on their way to the ring at like less than quarter to the hour, I was like, oh my gosh, how 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 far can they run past the top of the hour? Like right or without without rushing to get everything in. Um, so either they were going to have a completely different match, which is not necessarily they, they're capable, but it's not necessarily it's styling what they've done before, or it's gonna it's gonna be less than. And unfortunately for me, it was less than. They'll be still high quality. It's like saying, well, I had a really good steak on Wednesday, but then I had another steak on Friday and I preferred the steak on Wednesday. That's kind of how this was for me. Um, but they, they also aren't apples to apples matches. The one name that you didn't mention, and I, I like your I like your thought, I like your armchair booking for lack of a better term of calling it that, of you know, projecting Kyle O'Reilly getting another shot at the WrestleMania weekend takeover if that's where it ends up. Where does Karrion Cross fit into the scene now that he's back and technically that he never lost the title? Uh, I actually don't know how you get there, but if they're going to transition Bobby Fish and he is able to get back in the ring, I'd love to see Karrion Cross be the guy that takes him out to give Kyle O'Reilly motivation, uh, added motivation, and have Kyle O'Reilly Karrion Cross, which I thought would be a match would get this year. And if you get that emotional aspect behind it because Kyle O'Reilly's long-term, long-time partner is taken out by Karrion Cross, and then Karrion Cross ends up having the title. That to me is some compelling storytelling that could, that could be before us, if that's the direction that they were to go. Yeah, I, I am more. I'm trying to decide if I'm right in saying this. I'm more interested in the title picture in NXT than maybe anywhere else right now. Um, you know, the Goldberg thing, I'm interested to see what they do, mainly because I'm afraid of what they'll do. Um, you know, SmackDown title picture, the Universal title, Roman Reigns is very compelling. Uh, but part of it is I don't think Roman Reigns is going to lose that title until at least WrestleMania, if not sometime well after that. Uh, yeah, AEW's got their thing going on, and that's cool too. But the NXT title picture, I think, is is interesting. And I love when there are multiple people that you could if they set that matchup, whatever that would be between Balor and that person, you go, they could beat him. You know, that could happen. They could, they could do that where again, not to bring up the match that we've talked about so many times. And I know it was mostly for the storyline, but if you book Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso, we know Jey Uso is not going to win the world title. Um, you got to book people to where you think, yeah, they, I, I could see it. Um, 
and and I think that's really interesting in NXT right now. I think they're doing a good job of that. Um, NXT is is clicking with me pretty good right now. Um, AEW is clicking with me all right too, but uh, but yeah, NXT is doing really well. So that is all we have on our list for today, Tom. Anything else? Well, I think I think like leaving that comment about AEW is good because they had, they started their year. Obviously, they, they they pivoted, and we didn't talk about it at all here. And it's it's I don't remember if we addressed it last week on our our end of the year. Um, but again, the Brody Lee tribute show was was pretty amazing and pretty touching, and you know, much in the same vein of of, of other wrestlers that have that have been taken away too soon. Um, they're all they're all heartfelt productions and 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 snapshots of, of of honoring someone's memory and life and legacy but i thought aw did a great job with that and that lived and it breathed and it had its time and now AEW has the ability to not not ever let that memory go but starting with their big new year's bash shows we had one this week we're both in the process of catching that up they'll have their second half of that next week so i think that us coming back to the table Next week, when we when we reconnect, talking about the the wrapping up of Wrestle Kingdom and then giving AEW a good chunk of our time will be a fun conversation for us to have. Um, yeah, and and I and I and to make a connection to your comment, AEW is something where it's to me it's been a little bit of peak and valley, and that might be an extreme statement, but there are some weeks where it's the highest of highs and it across the board it hits, and then some weeks it's 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 kind of just there and. Again, I, I haven't been able to make a correlation of the live versus the taped versions of if, if, that, if that's how it's landing, but there might be something to that. Yeah, I think it'll be be interesting. I, I, one thing I do think is interesting just in their layout of these two shows is that the world title match main evented this week rather than next week. You have the TNT title match next week that's going to main event between Brian Cage and Darby Allen rather than the world title match. Now, again, haven't watched it all play out this week, and I would wait until I've seen next week as well. Maybe there will be lots of reasons why that makes sense. Um, so we'll see. Um, and, and some people are yelling at their their uh, podcast player of choice right now because they've already seen the show and they know why, you know, why they did something. Um, or maybe they don't know. Or they're like, wait, you guys just wait and see. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Stop worrying about it. Watch the show, dummies. Um, you know, something along those lines. All right. Well, we will be back next week sometime. Who knows when? We never promise you a day of the week. Because uh, let's be honest, we don't really know some weeks. <laughs> I, I do think January looks pretty open, though. Pretty open for uh, for us to have a regular and predictable connection and schedule for, for recording and putting out content. And I like that when I, I didn't realize what date Rumble was until I watched Raw Monday. So realizing it's not until the end of the month yep. made me think, wow, actually, we're going to have you know, like a big gap in, 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 you know, head to head is, is of course a staple of what we do and how we talk. But I like the fact that, you know, there were times last year where it was week to week to week where that's all we were doing. Um, so I, I like that we're going to give some time and some space in the next couple of weeks prior to the Royal Rumble head to head to let some other topics and conversation occur. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. And, and a hundred a hundred percent agree with that, that um, it'll be nice to have the ability to do that without turning them into, you know, two and a half, three hour marathon shows that uh, frankly, most people aren't going to listen to and you and I don't have the time to record. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's been, uh, it'll be nice to have that little bit of break of pay-per-views um, here in January until the rumble. And then, 
then we hit the ground running because after the rumble, you got takeover and you got revolution and you got, you know, this, that, and the other, and who knows if bring them on or throws another show in there too. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm comment. waiting, waiting for an announcement. Come on, ring of honor. Right. Really fast comment on ring of honor. Uh, they had a very interesting TV show last week about the pandemic special showed a couple of matches uh, from March, which were fine. Empty arena matches, you know, from the weekend that got canceled. Um, and now they're going to do a best of 2020 episode this week before they finally get to the new tapings airing next week. And I'm like, just give me the new stuff. I don't need a best of 2020 episode. I hadn't heard about that. And I'm, I'm let down. I mean, I, I yeah. believe me as, as, as our listeners and as you and I both well know me finding time to watch wrestling in real time, isn't always the easiest task. So to know that I can take a pass on one hour and give that to a different product, I'm okay with. But at the same time, too, I am itching for the new stuff, especially on the heels of Final Battle. It was already a few weeks ago. Right. That, and that's, that's, I think, my frustration with it is we had Final Battle. We had a, a show, you know, with Rhett Titus and Delirious that weekend or the weekend after or whatever it was. And the pandemic special, I'm, I'm okay with that show. Um, you know, last week it was it was interesting to watch and, and all that. Uh, but this week, don't give me a, they're going to show the pure title tournament finals, which we just saw a few months ago. They're going to show Roosh win the world title in St. Louis, the last show that happened before the pandemic. And they're going to show a battle royal from Free Enterprise um, on this show. So yeah, kind of pointless for me. Well, I thank you for saving me time, at least in that, because... Before we close out, I did want to, and this is, of course, nothing's on the line, but I wanted to get your picks for the NFL. We have the wildest wild card weekend in the history of the NFL this weekend uh, with six wild card matches. It's the first time ever in the NFL that this is happening. So um, they're staggered across both days. There's three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. I would just love to hear your picks, Jim. Uh, and no, no need to pick a Super Bowl matchup today. Just just, week. Yeah, let's go week by week. All right. Well, let's see. I just pulled up the schedule here. Um, so Saturday, uh, why don't I give my three for Saturday? You give your three for Saturday. And we'll just, again, these don't count in head to head. They're just for fun. Um, Saturday, the first game is Indianapolis at Buffalo. Uh, I know there is some question around Stefan Diggs and his uh, availability, but I'm going to go Buffalo in that game. Uh, I think Buffalo is, I think they're the real deal. So I think they've, they've got a real shot. Uh, LA Seattle, I think is a very interesting game. Seattle has not looked great the last number of weeks. In fact, I benched Russell Wilson, uh, in our, our, one of our fantasy leagues that I ended up winning and, uh, won my league with Mitchell Trubisky as my quarterback in that championship matchup works for me as a Bears fan gave me a little bit of pride, but, uh, Seattle has not played well. I, but yet LA might have Josh Wolford as their quarterback too. Um, but it sounds like maybe Goff is going to play. I'm going to go Rams in the upset um, there in that game and Tampa Bay, Washington, nobody from the NFC East should be in the playoffs. So let's get them out. Uh, I don't love Tom Brady, but I think Tampa Bay probably in the biggest win on Saturday, the the most lopsided win. So I agree with Buffalo. Uh, they are hot and I, and I'm actually, uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of Buffalo. Uh, they, uh, Stefan Diggs won a fantasy title for me, so I hope he's healthy. But regardless of that, um, I like Josh Allen. I like I like the way he plays. I like his, the style of quarterback that he is. And Buffalo has been a fun team to watch. Um, I also, uh, whether he listens or not, we have a friend, Sean, uh, goes by the handle of Ringlord. Uh, we have a little bit of a wager on the line. Uh, he lives in Indiana. I live in Michigan. Um, so we have a four-pack four, four, four pack you pick craft beer 
wager. Uh, he's a Colts fan, of course, living in Indiana, Indiana uh, and they're being out of Indianapolis. So Colts win. I'm sending some beer down to Indiana. Bills win. Uh, I'm getting some Indiana craft beer. Um, go Bills and go Suds. Uh, I'm going to pick Seattle to beat the Rams. Um, I think that uh, and, and it's weird, right? So, like, it's at Seattle. So you think, oh my gosh, it's Seattle. They're the the twelfth man. Twelfth man doesn't exist this year, right? So that's that's the problem. Uh, I do think the Russell Wilson and company are going to turn it on in the playoffs. Um, and so Seattle is my pick there. The last match, actually, to me, or the last match, the last game is actually the most inter- interesting game of the weekend. Um, despite their record, I think Washington's defense is. They're good. Sick. They're they're pretty darn good. Um, are they are they pesky enough to ruin Tom Brady's first year in Tampa? I don't know. I want to say it's like 55-45 that I'm picking Tampa. So I'm going to pick Tampa because of Tom Brady. But if Washington wins, I'm not surprised at all. Interesting, interesting. All right, then let's go to Sunday. Uh, Baltimore at Tennessee. Uh, Baltimore has gotten hot. Lamar Jackson has finally woken from his slumber. I had him in my work fantasy league, and he's a large part of the reason, along with Saquon Barkley and George Kittle, my top three picks, uh, that I won three whole games in that league all year. Um, So I'm a little bitter with Lamar that he couldn't wake up a little earlier. Uh, But I think they've gotten hot at the right time, and I I think they're going to go into Tennessee and beat Tennessee. This might be the highest scoring game. of the weekend just between the two teams. Uh, so I'm going to go Baltimore over Tennessee. Oh, this is my heartstrings. The Bears going to the Saints. Now, the Saints are my number two. Uh, Tom knows, some people know, after Hurricane Katrina, I led a mission trip down to New Orleans and the New Orleans area for eight years uh, after that, before I moved out to Nebraska. And uh, so New Orleans is very near and dear to my heart. Um, so I started rooting for the Saints at that time, as long as they weren't playing the Bears. And here we are in the playoffs having this problem. We had it a couple of years back or a while back, too. And the, I think the Bears actually, when they went to the, I think when they went to the Super Bowl and lost um, to the Colts, I think they beat the Saints, if I remember right. But anyways, um, Bears and Saints, I, I can't pick my Bears. I just can't. Um, the offense has looked better but didn't look good last week against Green Bay. Matt Nagy took back over some play calling duties, and he's an idiot. So um, if he's going to continue to do that, I just don't. And the defense hasn't looked like the Bears' defense the last number of weeks either, and that's not good when you have Alvin Kamara on the other side of the ball. Um, So even though Kamara's coming off COVID, it sounds like he was asymptomatic, um, which means he's probably going to be raring and ready to go. He had a week off to rest. That's not good. Um, So... I'm going to go Saints. And then uh, in the nightcap, ending the first wild weekend, wild, wildest wild card weekend, uh, Cleveland at Pittsburgh. This is a pick them to me. Um, they're division opponents, so they know each other super well. Uh, Pittsburgh has not, you know, after that 11-0 start where they really didn't beat anybody for 11 games, we've all kind of seen that. Um, they, they haven't looked great. The offense has not looked great. The defense is still pretty darn good. Um I think the experience edge probably wins out, and I think Pittsburgh gets past Cleveland. I don't. I will tell you right now. Spoiler alert: Whoever they play next week, and I'd have to look at my picks to figure that out. Uh, I, I think Pittsburgh probably gets knocked out in the next round, but I, I think they're going to sneak past Cleveland. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm really excited about that Baltimore and Tennessee matchup. Uh, I don't think – I think the flame uh, gets blown out for, for Baltimore. Tennessee's my pick there, though I do think it's going to be potentially a shootout. Um, COVID concerns for the second game were going to be my, my, my wondering, my wild card, for lack of a better term, on a wild card weekend. But, yes, Saints, Saints are the pick there for me and le- um, unless for some reason – there's a spike in COVID outbreaks in the team. I think we would have heard that by now, um, and we haven't. Uh, and then, yeah, Pittsburgh almost beat Cleveland in Cleveland last week to ensure that Cleveland got a got a playoff spot, and Pittsburgh was resting people. So now in Pittsburgh, with those guys not resting, that I think that might actually be the biggest blowout of the weekend. You know, nothing. And, and Cleveland could surprise me, but but I'm not gonna ride with them yet. They haven't proven me. They haven't proven that to me yet. So. Cleveland's very helter skelter, so you know they they they're either going to come in and play great and end up beating Pittsburgh, or yeah, they may get just dog raced right out of the stadium. Uh, so there you have it, the Two Spot Monkeys NFL podcast uh, debuts this week. No, it's it's fun to do that and uh, and talk through, and it'll be fun. I, I'd love to do that the rest of the way through here too, and and make our picks. And um, I hope that I continue to get to pick against my Bears because um, I don't know. Uh, if the Bears win this week, they go to Green Bay next week because they are the seventh seed, so they would go to Green Bay. And I have seen that movie for far too long in my life and twice this season, and I know how it ends. Um, so here's hoping we can pull one out on Sunday. I'd love to be wrong on that pick, obviously, as a Bears fan. But when it comes to making picks, my head outweighs my heart. Uh, that's the same in fantasy football. I have said numerous times, Aaron Rodgers is welcome on my team any year. Uh, so. I, that's just how it goes. Well, let us know on social media, whether it's on our Facebook page or our Twitter page, who do you think is going to win uh, the NFL matchups this weekend? What did you think of Wrestle Kingdom? What did you think of New Year's Evil? Are you excited about Goldberg being in the WWE? Um, and if you are, tell us why. You know, I mean, hey, if you are, that's cool. You know, I, I'm sure some people are expecting a snarky response from me, like, if you are, you're wrong. Um, but I, I won't say that. If you are excited about Goldberg, Tell us why. Tell us what excites you about it. We'd love to hear it um, and love to have some conversation around that. Be able to talk about it next week here um, on the podcast. Tom, anything else uh, you want to say before we sign off? No. Once again, Happy New Year. Thank you for giving us your time and listening. And uh, we can't wait to connect with you next week. All right. Everybody stay safe. We'll talk to you next week. Take care.